Welcome to a new episode of uh, Innovation Ecosystems uh, Unpacked. Today with two uh, special guests, uh, Chen Zia from Bayon and Chris from AUTI. Uh, and today we're going to talk about knowledge-intensive uh, startups, spin-offs, uh, success rates, financing, uh, everything that has, has to do with that. Um, yeah, but first of all, let's uh, let's introduce the guest. Um, like to start with you, Chinzia. What is yeah? Uh, how did how did you get here? Right, I think that's the. So I started my PhD actually in uh, in Delft. So I'm originally from Italy. I studied there, and then I was like thinking, okay, I want to challenge myself, and so I came to the Netherlands to do my PhD here. And uh, while doing the PhD, me and the other two co-founders of Beyond. We invented the, the core technology of our startup, and so then we spun out from the Delft University. Okay. And did you always envision to be an entrepreneur? Myself, yes. I, oh, I tried, but I didn't have the right idea. Mm -hmm. uh, so actually, I tried a couple of times with, uh, with things, but I never started one because I was I'm not convinced about the whole situation. And as soon as William and uh, Nicholas, the other two co-founder, they came out with the, uh, with, the, with the new idea, with the technology, I was like, yeah, that's the one that I, I want to, let's say, to push. And, uh, and so I convinced them to, to join and, uh, and start the startup. So yeah, I'm the fault of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, how about you? Um, I do come from a, an entrepreneurial family, so to say, but uh, early on I uh, decided that uh, entrepreneurship was not my uh, thing to do, but I was still very interested in it. So my, uh, my studies went, uh, were, were uh, on uh, innovative uh, entrepreneurship. Uh, I did a PhD in entrepreneurship and now I uh, work at the uh, Advisory Council for Science, Technology and Innovation, the AVTE. Um, where we recently uh, uh, published a report, an advice to the government on uh, knowledge-intensive startups, um, spin-outs, um, and, and how to scale them, basically, how, how to grow them. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's basically why I'm here, I think. Nice. And, and what would you say is, is the most important thing that, that ABTE does to the uh, government, uh, what, what, what is the yeah, yeah. value? Yeah, well, it's an interesting con um, uh, construction. Mm -hmm. It's a, a group of uh, uh, nine or ten um, yeah, thought leaders, experts in uh, the field from science, from business, from um, uh, policy, well, from uh, yeah, uh, decision makers, so to say. They, co they convene every month and they, they, they um, challenge certain policy in the Netherlands on science, technology, on innovation. So it's both independently, as in they, well, it, it's always independently, and sometimes it's um, requested, and sometimes it's unsolicited, unsolicited mm -hmm. advice. Um, and this time it was, um, yeah, the council deemed it very important to, to tackle this, um, this topic of knowledge-intensive startups. It was basically a question from the um, parliament, mm -hmm. They um, uh, they acknowledged that there were a lot of uh, startups starting from universities, but they were not growing as well as they could, and so they asked the AVTE, the, the, the this council, to uh, to come up with an advice on how to improve that. Um, and for that, uh, yeah, we did a we did a study actually with the uh, Erasmus Center of Entrepreneurship. And we based, based partly on that study and on other research and interviews, we based this advice. Mm -hmm. So that's basically how the, 
how the council works and okay. how it does the job and it yeah it directly advises to the ministers to the to the cabinet um, and there is the idea of our former um, uh, uh, chair who always says we have to speak truth to power nice. and that's the idea nice. and my role is to prepare the advice uh, to write uh, a lot of stuff to research background stuff and uh, okay and and talking about uh, the specific question was about knowledge-intensive startups, so that also means that there are other types of startups. Mm -hmm. Well, what is your your idea? Not is it different or yeah, or? yeah, that's a good question. I think there is definitely a reason to um, to to make a distinction between knowledge-intensive startups and rest. I think in reality, there's it's more like a sort of a, a scale in which there's there's differences. Um, together with the Erasmus Center we, uh, of Entrepreneurship, we, we, we basically operationalized knowledge-intensive as spin-outs and, and, and spin-offs from, uh, from universities, mm -hmm. but also from, from private company labs and stuff. Um, but I think the, the importance is that the more knowledge-based you are, the more you work with fundamental new mm -hmm. new knowledge yep. and technology the the longer and more challenging i think the road to the market uh, will be um, and in competition for for example for money for my a startup that is using a proven technology um, close to the market knowledge um, it's much easier to make your business work basically than for startups that are coming from with with new knowledge from from, from uh, knowledge um, institutes so and and if you both have to uh, compete for for funding um, if, if you don't realize that and, and so that's that's one part and the other part is that the um, the the business it creates it can be much more innovative much more radical it can start that that's well established in the literature it can start of completely new sectors, domains. Um, so, societally speaking and, and economically speaking, they have a much bigger impact as well. So, there are more challenges, yeah. but the impact is also bigger for this uh, category of startups, I would say. And you are a knowledge intensive startup, as uh, the definitions say. Uh, so, so, hearing this, what are the things that, that you, yeah, what are your first I saw thoughts? all the struggle yeah. behind yeah. it. I completely agree with, with all that you said. And actually, I have to say that, yeah, you are always like in the middle. Is is something that is about short-term value or long-term value, and uh, that's something that uh, a highly inten intensive knowledge startup brings. The problem is that uh, it's all based on science, cross-fertilization between different kind of fields, and most of the time is a market that is maybe not there yet or mm. is immature, and that means that there is a lot of risk. And uh, not always, let's say, as European, I think in general, investors are more or less uh, risk takers. Uh, so that that's something also that uh, you might struggle a bit because it's really hard to find some traction at the beginning. So definitely is, uh, let's say, deep, in, uh, let's say, knowledge intensive startup, they have a lot of costs because anyway, there are like 10 years of development maybe before to have the final product, product there. So then you need also to attract a lot of talents and most of the time they are really expensive too mm -hmm. because they mm -hmm. have PhD degree and of course you have to, uh, let's say, uh, 
there is competition also to attract those talents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in particular between also Europe and US, it's really harder for Europe to attract those kind of talents and the other way around is way easier. Yeah. So it's not only capital, it's about also team and, uh, and it's about also the stakeholders of the whole value chain because there is a lot of this kind of innovation, they don't have a regulation yet. So you need really a lot of advocacy to at European level, but also globally to really create new rules. So you need always to to find someone that mm -hmm. can fight this new trend with you, and uh, and change usually and disrupt the the way in which currently things are done. And you mentioned right there is sort of a a, a balance between on the one hand fundamental research from that perspective, on and on the other hand creating a business. Mm -hmm or yeah. growing a business. Um, how, would you, how would you, from your perspective when you started, um, would you have done things differently to maybe get the balance in a, I don't know if maybe you already have a good balance, mm -hmm. but would yeah, you have done it differently? Things can always be improved. <laughs> Let's say once you've done it, you know mm -hmm. what you always can, can do better. Uh, definitely at the beginning, I can tell I had more of a um, scientific mind so we were like uh, not uh, really aware at the beginning we knew the power of our technology but uh, it took for us sometimes to learn also how to talk to the our uh, customers that are biologists so i'm a microelectronic engineer by background and I, had, I don't know anything about biology and then i have to learn something to explain them mm. and to let them perceive that value mm. and that they might trust me and they have to let's say they can trust me so uh, that's something also that takes time. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, the, the 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 earlier you do it, the better it is. And there is always a right timing from from everything. So I think maybe we spun out when the product could still be developed in the university. But on the other side, you also need to to go away to really start to prove yourself with the real world. So definitely, the timing on when bringing that technology out of the lab and really find the market fit for it are the, the things that are more crucial uh, mm -hmm. at the beginning. So what could, if in that particular, because it's a nice example, right? What would you think could help if you uh, leave it within the university, but still take the step to get a better market validation, maybe, maybe that's the word, but... Yeah. Uh, it would be nice an example to have in the university, maybe, uh, senior business developer uh, that are really like on you on your case and helping you really uh, teaching you and mentoring at the beginning on how you should find those first steps of customer feed or like talking to investors sometimes they this kind of lack of knowledge is given by accelerator that's true but sometimes accelerator also are two broad topics so an example yep. in our case is life yep. science yep. is definitely also not something mm. that we typically do in Qdelt mm. because it's uh, more engineering, engineering related. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, having something that uh, helps the, the entrepreneur to do the first step and uh, let's say dry, uh, some guidance there, that would be really helpful, I think. Okay. Uh, what, what do you exactly do? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so let's see if I, I practice enough. <laughs> Nice. So basically, uh, if new drugs are developed, uh, let's say, to pick up the ingredients of a new drug, a biologists have to use in their labs or animal studies, or, or animal or cells in a plastic dish. 
So as you can imagine, uh, cells in a plastic dish are not really feeling like in your body. You keep on moving, and your heart beating, and so on. And the animal is that there are some, most of the disease or, or like neurological disease that cannot really be tested on animals. And also there are many ethical concerns. So mm -hmm. the ideal case would be to have uh, a human body in a biological lab, mm -hmm. <laughs> that is even more unethical. <laughs> so, so the solution that we found is that we developed a tool that is a computer chip, so like the one that you have in your smartphone, that has the same functionality of the human body. So it, uh, it nourishes, stimulates and monitors cells that biologists can insert. And basically you can test uh, drugs on a, on a sort of avatar of a human body. And, and how does the chip si uh, simulate a human body? So an example, it has an artificial blood vessel inside. So you can create a blood vessel in it. And uh, on top you can have an Physically, example. Physically, there's a physical, it's, it's a physical blood vessel. In a computer chip. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pretty neat. Yeah, you use exotic material, uh, this, uh, let's say, or our know-how there. So you can basically create uh, the interface between, an example, the, the heart and a mm -hmm. blood vessel. Mm -hmm. And those heart cells actually are made from, uh, and also the blood vessels are made from human cells. So it can be the one of you, in the future it can be mine. Yeah. Uh, and basically you can recreate a, a super small uh, prototype of your heart. And uh, your heart, an example, is beating, so the chip can uh, can also beat. So yeah. we can basically, it's made of flexible material, so it can also start beating with the same frequency. Uh, and the beauty of it is that we can integrate electrodes uh, and sensors. So an example, when you go to the doctor and you get your uh, ACG done, yeah. mm -hmm. you can do the same uh, in the chip. In your chip. And so basically, let's say that we want to personalize a, a cure for you. Mm. We basically have your heart, we insert the drug that we think it might be the best for you, and then we check with the signal if it's giving you a heart attack or if it works. <laughs> Rather not, but how uh, small is it? It's a one by one centimeter chip. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's really small. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if it would be, okay, this is more my personal question. If it's like 10 times bigger, so it's like uh, mm -hmm. 10 by 10, what, um, would that be beneficial because you can... Actually, let's say, we are more focused on, uh, because those sets are also expensive and, uh, let's say, uh, there are a lot of uh, economical situations around mm -hmm. it. So, it's, for us, it's better to have it small because we just want to prove that if a drug works okay. or wh what it happens. But if you use an example 3D printer, you can, there, there are out there people mm -hmm. that are 3D printing entire tissues and then you can regenerate or transplant organs or pieces so that's yeah. the uh, that's another yeah. parallel track but, but is your your technology is based on the chip right so the chip yeah. does functions and then you put a uh, vessel on it mm -hmm. or in it and then but it's the chip that is the that works the magic right yes that's your the value, core value yeah. yeah the core yeah. value is that one and that's how actually the, yeah. the patent behind it and all the invention is there yeah. and then there is also endless know-how that's something that usually deep deep knowledge yeah. uh, startup have because mm -hmm. There are a lot of trips, uh, tips and tricks that you cannot put in a patent, yeah. but actually that the experience gives to you, uh, yeah. that you are able to, to come up with new yeah. solutions. Yeah, but this is fascinating because if you describe it like this, like everybody sees that this is a, a, a product that, can, that has, has potential, but also that it needs a lot of time to, to further develop. And also the legal um, and uh, the sort of the legitimacy and the whole 
mission or perspective where you're working on, on towards personalized medicine, which is a, a big sort mm -hmm. of trend going on now. And that, that kind of shows, like from an ecosystem perspective, I think, how the, the context where you're, where you're in and how much needs to be done and developed before you uh, get there. Yeah. Contrary to like the other kind of startups, which which are have a perfectly right place mm. to be, um, but can just based on the current situation in in, in the economy and the con current knowledge that is out there, can just add a new product yeah. or a new uh, process. Because at what stage were you when you sort of said maybe the, if you would the timing uh, if the timing would be perfect, uh, mm -hmm. like taking out of the university and then it's at a maybe at at a certain TRL level, I think, right or yeah. TRL level. Mm -hmm. Um, what from that point you 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 had to do to make it fit to uh, customers saying yes I want to buy this yeah so what we did so uh, basically is that so we developed it technically completely the chip so was uh, done the problem is that we had to put cells and uh, mm -hmm. and we were three Michael <laughs> engineer okay. so first of all the first type mm -hmm. was a biologist <laughs> then the second, the second thing, and already there, like three microelectronics engineers have to hire a biologist. Mm -hmm. How you're gonna pick him up? Let's mm. say uh, with the interview, <laughs> we were like, uh, what they're gonna ask? Because for us, they can tell everything. So we really ask a lot of recommendation, and then we look in our network of a professor in the biological field that could yep. help us with that. Mm. So those are also kind of uh, struggles that uh, you have at the beginning. Uh, and then basically what we did is that we start to co-develop with the uh, Leiden University Medical Center and Erasmus Medical Center with people that were already in our network. Uh, and we started to test it with them. And of course, they, uh, you have bugs, failures and yep. things to adjust. And it would have been nice to, to try it before to, to span out because yep. anyway, that process took one year and a half. Mm. And, uh, and you need those data to then attract people that don't know you because those people that we attracted they were like knowing us and they were knowing our capabilities yeah. and so that helped yeah. but, but really you searched in in i would say the same type of group of people right so researchers we went through peers let's say as a phd mm. we knew people we yeah, knew that's what PhD I mean. yeah. in order yeah. and that's the way yeah. and that's something that i always recommend to whichever like people want to start a startup in uh, in, uh, in a university is really like uh, uh, ask your peers for yeah. help because that's gonna be the, the, the best feedback. I remember like once we were still uh, uh, in the university, we, we interviewed 30 of them in one room because there was a meeting of a conference and we took the opportunity to say, okay, you know yeah. what, we have 30 biologists here. Yeah. Let's ask them what they cool. want. Yeah. And of course then uh, they, they, they can dream whatever, yeah. let's say it can be, it's never enough. Yeah. Uh, well, but it was our, yeah. an initial way to yeah. to understand, okay, which are the priorities. Yeah. My question is more, um, if um, we would have met at that stage, and I would say, you know what, I would connect you to Mozamit, who, who was also here mm -hmm. on Apotis, who developed, right, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, uh, meat, uh, uh, and that could have been interesting because that's a company. Maybe they also are right, not an intensive company, but still, mm -hmm. right? It's a company. Um, would that have changed? You think? I think. Let's say uh, for sure. The point is that if I was Chinsia back then, because now I'm, I don't have to think about Chinsia now. Chinsia now knows that it has to go around and ask mm -hmm. people. Yeah. 
and uh, no matter what happens, like uh, you will get something out of it. it. Can be just that you learn maybe that you cannot, an example, help Mozambique to do something. But back then we were uh, scientists more, mm -hmm. so yeah. it, like you need sometimes to learn that you have to get out of the lab yeah. <laughs> and ask. Yeah. So that's a, a yeah. push that. Uh, yeah. But you, you went out of the lab, but you visited fellow uh, uh, researchers, and I'm just no, saying. No, we like also contact pharma companies. Okay. Like we we took like uh, within the network, but also cold emails. Yeah. And I I have to say that people are more uh, enthusiastic about new technology than than yeah. you think. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, so talking, it's always easier. Everybody wants to know like uh, a weird topic mm -hmm. like the one that we are doing. Mm -hmm. The problem is that how you turn that first contact in something tangible yeah. or it just stays there as a conversation. So uh, also, let's say mm -hmm. that that part of translating the value out of a conversation is not always easy because yeah. the two person have to be also in the same, in, is to be the right moment for both. And yeah, for pharma company, an example, uh, we are collecting a lot of data, we are talking to them, but of course you need really to prove way more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it takes time. Yeah. Yeah, what I, what I see and what, which I th think is really interesting is that as a company, you are, uh, as a startup, you have to sort of transition the different levels um, of your environment in the sense that you, you start in your lab and then it's very research-based and at some point you have to sort of get out there, meet other people, probably in a sort of a still a university university-based ecosystem where there are valorization activities going on, where there are incubator or, or coaches, which can, I think, still can be, can be um, developed and that there can be improvements there. And then at, at some point you're sort of scaling out outside of the region and then the company and then, so that's, that's sort of a, a path that you can envision. And I think from a policy perspective and for, for ecosystem builders and, and people that are maybe interested in this podcast, um, I think these transitions has to be as smooth as possible for for a company because there's so many things you can you have to deal with all the time that these and these transitions are really fundamental like uh, what you're describing in the beginning like there's also some research interesting research on and um, which um, which has been sort of termed with uh, the term sort of unconsciously incompetent in the sense that uh, a researcher going into business doesn't know at first um, what he or she doesn't know, basically. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what you're describing back mm -hmm. right now, I think. And there's um, people from incubators or, or centers of uh, entrepreneurship that can confront you with this sort of lack of knowledge and then yeah, push you outside of the building. And, uh, and yeah. uh, I think there is also a cultural kind of background because a lot of PhD right now are from abroad. So mm. an example, I was in, in a country that was not mine, ah, and I yeah. had to create my own network. So yeah. uh, let's say if it, it was in Italy, okay, there would be any uh, other troubles. But for sure, like the idea of approaching someone, also reading the way of asking something, mm -hmm. it would yeah. have been way easier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and instead, even if I was already like for four years before in the Netherlands, but with Still. a different role. So getting into the business is, a, is way different than be on the yeah. scientific side. But it's something that you have to learn and uh, you can just practice, fail and, uh, and improve. Mm. But it's something that would be also interesting for people that comes from abroad and choose to open a startup. Yeah. 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 Because is, um, do you think that, that your company is different than other uh, biotech companies that didn't originate from a university? Uh, the, 
I have to say that most of the biotech company or licensed IP or anyway are based on some knowledge that is developed in the in the university. It is it is you can definitely see the difference of speed or also the confidence that they let's say the, the amount of uh, customer that they can attract mm -hmm. if the let's say the managers or the founders uh, had previous experience. Yeah. So seniority counts. Yeah. And also an example if you are let's say, in that field for many years because maybe you were a professor or maybe because you were working in pharma companies and you are in your country, so you have your own, all your network, definitely if I choose to start as a company, I know which kind of guy it might be interested mm -hmm. in and probably because I'm senior, those people are in the right position to taking a decision. Mm -hmm. And instead, given also my age, I, I knew only people that came try to push a decision but are not the yeah. final is that also something that you saw in the research? Well, um, there were a couple of uh, challenges that we identified. Um, and I think, yeah, one of the things were um, that this, um, I think the, 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 the skill, the teams and the, the skill that you need, I think is, is, is very important. That's one of the, one of the challenges uh, to, to get the right set of, of skills in, in the team. Um, uh, so I think that that kind of uh, relates to this. Um, and another um, important challenge we, we encountered was that um, the agreements that startups make in the beginning of their um, life uh, with universities or with uh, knowledge um, centers, also other than uh, universities, in terms of patents and, and licenses and uh, equity um, sometimes lead to problems in a later stage. So I think that's that's at least two of the yeah, big challenges we, um, we encountered, uh, we found out. Um, and although in the beginning of the life of a startup the, 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 the interests are very much aligned between universities and, uh, and startups, at some point they might diverge. And then I think it's important for startups to have like ha are connected to to people outside of the start uh, out of the university or at least independent uh, advisors that are not also um, yeah part of the university. Um, so I think there are some some challenges there. Um, so we we yeah the the advisory uh, report um, uh, advises to 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 improve that and there are some. Uh, guidelines basically um, to arrange that but they were up until now very much um, designed by the knowledge institutes themselves um, and we yeah we um, advise to to make them more equal also um, from the from the startup perspective um, and recently the the cabinet has reacted to this uh, to this advisory report and and said that they're gonna sort of um, encourage um, um, yeah, to to have this dialogue around these uh, these guidelines, how yeah. to deal with equity, with licenses uh, of startups, uh, to make it yeah to to see where, which problems they can solve and uh, improve the balance. Yeah, so I think that's uh, that's an important step uh, forward. Because yeah, you talked about right uh, also the investment part. Yeah, maybe interesting because I heard you are yeah looking at fundraising or maybe already are fundraising. Um, yeah, what is your, your current, uh, I would say, impression uh, on, on, is it easy to get in contact uh, or do you think there are the right investors here in the Netherlands? Is it? 
How's so, it going? For, for sure, it's, they are always reachable, let's say. The only thing is that with companies like us is that you need an investor that is both knows both the biological part and the hardware part, and yep. that's almost impossible to find. Mm -hmm. So basically, you need or to, to split the funding round, uh, attracting one good investor on each topic, or uh, anyway, it can be really hard to, to find uh, the combination of all. So for sure, an example, what I've noticed so far is that there are more and more PhD also that are involved into the yep. uh, venture capitalist world that helps huh. because a lot of first steps are really trying to deliver the importance of what you are doing. Yep. And the importance is only in the technology and technological details yeah. that if you don't have that knowledge, it's really hard to appreciate. Yep. And, uh, and also the, the market, the market of, uh, the, our, uh, of our technology is still at its infancy. Let's say this kind of technology are born from 10 years. Uh, but definitely, let's say there is a lot of uh, luck in a regular, uh, regulatory system that we cannot really help in uh, speeding up the value. Mm. So there is risk there. So it's really important to, there is, uh, there is a lot of, um, let's say transfer of knowledge between us and the investors mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll try to let them perceive okay I know that is a leap of faith sometimes mm -hmm. but I, I know how to manage that risk yeah. so definitely yes it's a bit uh, but I have to say that in the Netherlands uh, there are uh, interesting investors what I also believe is that there is uh, so we are looking firstly of course to have uh, investors uh, uh, here but it's also a missed opportunity if you don't look in no, Europe. Of course, yeah. Because anyway, uh, I think uh, out there there is more and more like uh, capital available and and maybe that, that can be also a way yeah. to, to share uh, risks uh, yeah. among investors. And, and did you also, let's say, already um, uh, maybe question asked about um, the other investors in this case, right? The university who is a, a shareholder in the company. Is that already something that you because that also came a little bit out of the research, of course. Uh, is that also something that you already noticed that investors ask questions about that or? Let's say if you're in the Netherlands, they are more uh, aware about how uh, the agreements with the university are done because are quite standard, let's say. So in the Netherlands, it's not a problem. Of mm -hmm. course, there are, there are differences, I think, more between Let's say, uh, I don't know really the details, but I think between an example, uh, Netherlands, German, uh, let's say Germany, and an example if you go more in the North European countries like Norway mm -hmm. and Sweden, they, they have a completely different kind of uh, mm. set yeah. of rules. So those investors might not like really uh, under understand the way in which yeah. we are doing business here. Yeah. For the Netherlands, it's more, let's say, uh, typical. Um, I think I think still there. So I think you're being really kind, but it, I think it's still there. Still needs to be a, a lot to be done. I think in the Netherlands, the re, the the, um, the the IP, like when when a company starts from the university and the, the knowledge is developed there, the IP is uh, at first solely in the hands of the of the knowledge institute. Yep. Um, while in other countries, for example, in the U.S., it's split, and at least a part is part of is yeah. owned by the by the by the founder or the the inventor, um, which ha makes a total different um, 
incentive to to yeah. then go. Uh, we we have talked for the advice with uh, with companies, saying that at the start of the company, then uh, or with the first uh, investor round, the university is still part of that. So they 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 still have a large uh, part of the shares. Then an investor comes in, who also wants to have a part a big part of the shares. Then the amount of shares that rests with the entrepreneur that is actually going to have to do like 99% of the legwork, yeah. um, the, the, the incentive structure is, is just not good here. Um, so I think there's there's really needs to be done something in the, in that case uh, in the Netherlands. And I think the the, um, the research that we we, did, we done uh, was pretty clear in that. And I think the, re, the advisory council has been also quite clear in that the current um, yeah the, the current situation hampers the growth of uh, of startups so I think there's definitely uh, um, improvements possible yeah. I think it's not the worst of all but uh, and, and I think companies can still grow in this uh, setting but I think we can yeah. improve the, the constellation although I, I understand from the university point of view also and also with the current idea with um, uh, Mariana Mazzucato thinking of, like the, the entrepreneurial state and the role of the state in terms of entrepreneurship and, and, uh, and innovation that the, the role is, is large and we do we shouldn't have the situation in which there's only public costs and private gains um, so I, I totally understand that side as well but if we don't have the um, the I gains think, in the end. You know. No, exactly. There's there's no no gains yeah. at all. No, you know, exactly. like so. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's because I think that that one of the things also I think from our research is that it's good that a university right is is part of uh, because it helps yeah. the reputation right. Definitely. But on the other hand, right? Uh, but actually, no. I have to say differently. What you're saying is that. It's good that there's a university, but mm -hmm. the way how the university is now as a shareholder, mm -hmm. that should be changed. So yeah, definitely. And think I th about it. What other uh, ways yeah, are. and we we've and and I think we touched upon that in this in this podcast as well. Is that there is a there's a big role of the university to yeah. play in terms of of, of the faci facilities and the coaching and the, the helping to to break out of of this university contact with external advisors, etc. So the whole valorization system around knowledge institutes is super important. Yeah. Um, and I, I also understand, totally understand the licensing deal for, for the, the, the work that has been done in the, um, um, uh, at the university and, and using the facilities of the university. Um, but as a shareholder, I think you have to be very reluctant uh, yeah. in that role. Yeah. And, and also, in, um, we are looking at, also based on your examples, like, yeah, you need an investor who, who knows about, uh, let's say, biotech and the other one knows about uh, I would say hardware or whatever. Um, yeah. Is that an, is that also what you saw? Yeah, yeah. There's there at, at the moment there's a there's an interesting debate going on about that because on the one hand there are there is a lot of money and uh, there was an, a newspaper uh, uh, article about that as well, um, but. I think for these knowledge-intensive startups, there's really still uh, a lot to be uh, done. Um, there are a few high-tech uh, uh, investor funds in the Netherlands. Uh, they're doing really good work, I think. But the knowledge, uh, the technical knowledge, and the sort of the high-tech knowledge uh, at in at investors um, can be improved. And what is your idea on that? Because yeah, the, you 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 mentioned the example. Definitely, I think. Uh, it takes time, of course, because then uh, also uh, as a scientist before, I like 
let's say you have to think about okay I'm, I'm me as a PhD I don't I want to get into the venture capitalist world I don't know nothing about it so of course it would be nice to have more uh, more knowledge during maybe your PhD time or the university yep. like to get in touch to with alternative career path because mm -hmm. this is one of them you can become an advisor Mm -hmm. for this kind of knowledge that would help definitely because I can understand that it can be scary from the investor point of view to say okay this technology is good how, how they are gonna validate that or like how they are gonna validate my solution compared to the competitors yeah. uh, so definitely that's something that uh, I think is on investor side but might be also from the knowledge institution to to really uh, let's say uh, push scientists to think about some economical value of out of their research yeah. or yeah. their uh, kind of career yeah. um, and then definitely is like something that uh, still uh, uh, a bit missing is the uh, the risk taking uh, let's say I think it's uh, let's say is in all, all over Europe that anyway uh, you want to lower the risk uh, but yeah, sometimes there are <laughs> not that many ways. Let's say you, you need to have a leap of faith uh, yeah. here and there, and and uh, it can go it can go, go bad, but it can go also in a in a better in a, in a different kind of way. So it would be nice, to really, to have I don't know if at uh, national level or European level, maybe some I don't know some help, maybe also for investors if they invest on something yeah. at higher risk. Mm -hmm. which they say, okay, you are not alone there, maybe we could uh, But is it higher risk or is it perceived higher risk? It's perceived because yeah. if you don't, if, if I come with that idea, yeah. you don't have to put your money so you get enthusiastic about it. But if you have to, if I'm coming to you and I say, okay, can you give me uh, 10,000 mm -hmm. euro for yeah. that? Are you going to give me those money for something that you really don't know? Then it's completely different. Then but is that true? Because what we see from other research also in terms of investment or what we see with startups huh, here or, and scale-ups here is that yeah an investor also for 80 percent invests in entrepreneur so if the entrepreneur believes you you're mm -hmm. able to right to mm -hmm. get this done then yeah definitely uh, it depends also the, on the perception that they have on yeah. the team for sure like that's the most important because if part. you say three people with a phd yeah, that was the biggest part at the beginning, the biggest problem, because the, uh, it, it looks like it's never in, like you will, if you have a PhD title, you will be always a scientist. Yeah. But that's not true. Or no. at least this is something that I'm, uh, beyond is like uh, was funded in 2017, so from that moment on, I'm working on it. So I probably spend more time now as a CEO of Beyond than uh, doing my PhD, but still, I'm actually my PhD. Uh, you should take away your title, maybe even. And I remove it. Yeah. Because it's just a way to say, okay, I really I was able to learn really complex stuff. So now I brainwash myself. Yeah. I got some traction, so I, I know how to do it. But definitely, it's like if you have a you are more senior, or maybe if you have a more relevant kind of uh, business background. Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe you were working before in a pharma company that will give more trust, of course. Yeah. But that is usually not the environment in which the uh, knowledge no, intensity exactly. is No, but, but is that then the problem in the end? That in the end, uh, yeah, that's one of the problems. I think there are some ways to overcome it by having advisors, an example. Uh, but of course, like uh, you have to pay for those. And, uh, and also, usually, our money that you invest instead on R&D. And so that, that's always like, uh, I, I keep on growing. It's always a limit between 
I keep on growing my R&D, my technology, or should I make uh, the entire team more credible? Just yep. even adding only mm-hmm. a name. Yeah. But maybe you keep on doing your own things also. Just like you hang that that picture just to yeah. say yeah. they are with us, yeah. but maybe they don't do anything. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. also something that I, I think pedigree should be... Uh, a bit evaluated there as yeah. well. Like, uh, let's say, I think an example, if I, there are also PhD and PhD. If I say that maybe I was doing my PhD in Stanford and then I started a startup, yeah. oh yeah, then, of course, uh, then, and everybody then I'm going to give you more yeah. money. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, what does it mean? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. But these are all sort of, yeah, I don't know, pro- proxies for, like it, it's sort of instead of understanding the technology, I think, well, like if you understand if you have investors that at least for a for a long way can can understand what you're what you're working on, um, I think you have to rel- you you yeah you can rely on on less of these sort of extra um, signals to of, of of trust basically. So I think I think it, this all helps if you if you can uh, for example show you you uh, did your PhD at Stanford or you have a, a good business background or, or is. Uh, but I think it's on, yeah. Um, like, I think it, f- it first starts with being able to to exchange the information and the knowledge about your startup and where it's going and, and the technology. And if you have a, a good conversation with the investor and, and, and the team, then then that should be the, 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 the basis, right, of, of where you work from. Yeah, but is it? mindset change then in in the investors because the investor always like what you hear or what you let's say read everywhere that the team is first and yeah. it has to be the, it has to cover the main aspects of it yeah but then that doesn't mean that me as a with a phd i cannot learn to do the other part or mm-hmm. like i have to grow i i'm aware that i have to grow uh as faster uh <laughs> than beyond because mm-hmm. uh, that's the way in which i can i can lead it yeah but, but why, why should you lead it, uh, you think? So I think there are different kind of stages in a company. So I think at the beginning uh, so an, of a knowledge-intensive mm-hmm. startup, a CEO that doesn't know the technology, or they, they it cannot really manage the risk. No, true. So I think like I'm the best CEO for this space of beyond. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future it might happen also that uh, I will be I will need to attract more pharma company. That means that uh, the, the focus of Beyond will not be on the technology anymore. Maybe it will be more on the network or on the political mm-hmm. power or maybe the But why? Side. But you're saying that you, you were developing yourself as a CEO. Uh, because before I didn't know even what the CEO was doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, like okay. Yeah, you're saying so you need a sort of basic knowledge on yeah, at I, least I, think about a company but from a t- but with a technology focus yes definitely okay. because then i cannot like really say if the cto comes to me and say yeah. okay i want to do this kind of technology of course uh then i have to think okay uh, as uh, as an engineer i will say oh let's go for it but then many times i i told them no, no. because economically exactly. there is another yeah. things to yeah. do and, yeah. and and that's something that i developed over yeah. time of yeah. course yeah. but i think and let's say in the future I, uh, let's say it, I think changing yourself, that means also that it depends if you want to, bu- to put yourself first or the company first. Yeah. So, and, and that's the, I think it's for every CEO that... Yeah. <laughs> that uh, no, of course, yeah. yeah. No, because I, I think it's, it's, 
um, interesting because, um, for example, we are now starting together with YesDelft, so ASA with YesDelft, to start mm -hmm. a talent platform where we want to connect really students already from an earlier stage with each other to create companies, but mm -hmm. also maybe an Erasmus student that joins a, a, a YesDelft startup or right oh, yeah. just yeah. at already at the phase where the company is being created yeah. to make sure because we see, for example, that uh, Erasmus startups are from a business perspective uh, great, but because the, the what they are doing is not so impactful. Mm. And I mean impact in terms of what it can change the world, but also impactful in terms of uh, economic ways, right? Mm -hmm. So they start a platform which is already there uh, uh, 10 times, so it will not be uh, become big, etc. Yeah. And from the Delft, I'm just saying that, Delft now perspective, it's like they're great technologies, but they don't get it at a certain stage that it can become a company or that, yeah. that it can grow or... So I thought, or we, we together with AA, yeah, yeah. we said, let's join that together. Yeah. But there are, yeah, there are very uh, good, uh, there, there's a program at Chalmers University in Gothenburg that, uh, that does this in one of, I think it's part of a, 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 um, a course mm -hmm. where they connect engineers yeah. Yeah. and uh, yeah. people from the business uh, uh, education programs. Yeah. And they actually spun out quite some interesting uh, yeah. uh, startups. So I think that is also connecting very much to the advisory report saying that the skill set within your yeah. company is, uh, exactly. is super important. Yeah. Yeah. On the topic of in investors and funds, I think it's important to also note that at the moment there are some new funds being developed from the, from the government, the mm -hmm. Deep Tech Fund and the Future yep. Fund. Yep. Um, so um, also part, partly uh, with or uh, by uh, InvestNL. So I think that this attention of technical, like yeah, technically, technically oriented or high tech oriented capital, um, I think there's an acknowledgement that this, there is a need there uh, in the Netherlands. And I think they are the, like the, the, the government wants to strengthen it, which, which um, raises another challenge i think because it's it's then publicly uh, public funds like public um, financed uh, investor funds um, and how do they deal with the market you know like how do they complement or maybe compete within the market for um, for startups basically which is their uh, start their business um, and i think there the discussion in the needs to develop a little bit further about what is the role of governmental uh, vc um, I think there's definitely a role uh, there, but uh, at the moment the dominant idea is still like you, you need to do that from a market perspective. It's it's the private investors that take the lead. Um, but yeah, together with a, a, a colleague, we uh, we also looked at the whole uh, streams of VC capital in the Netherlands and, and showed that actually quite a bit of the f the privately uh, spent VC is. Uh, comes from public funding. About one fifth of the of the money that is finally uh, in in private venture capital funds has sort of public funds, uh, uh, a public uh, origin uh, source, because it's through all kind of um, uh, subsidy uh, schemes or uh, of fund in fund in fund um, constructions. But I th so I think in terms of funding for knowledge intensive startups, there are steps being made. I think there's improvement uh, that can still be done. Um, but it raises a new question, basically, like how do, what, what is the role of the government in uh, venture capital funding yeah. of startups? And what do you think it should be? 
Um, I'm not completely. Um, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not sure yet. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have the final answer on okay. this at, at all. I think there are lots of reasons why government can uh, intervene in the VC landscape. Um, for example, in early stage where. Uh, governmental uh, B, uh, VC is already quite yeah. a little bit bigger um, but I think we are from a broader trend uh, like moving away from a totally liberal market economy idea to maybe some more coordinated uh, market uh, in uh, interventions and um, um, but the precise role is uh, is I think still uh, to be yeah thought out but I think definitely there's room for early stage, for uh, startups and, and, and fields that are highly societally relevant. Yeah. Um, but then we have to sort of say goodbye to the idea that government intervention cannot sort of compete with private in, uh, intervention because of uh, private investors, because it's, it's basically impossible if you have to, uh, that, that's one of the reasons why InvestNL is now in, yeah. in such a difficult situation, because it has to uh, invest uh, alongside market conditions, um, but without intervening in, the, in yeah, that same market, yeah. which is basically an uh, impossible, impossible. Uh, impossible yeah, task. Yeah. So I think um, we have to yeah, create space for governmental interventions in this and then maybe acknowledge that there is some market uh, uh, disruption yeah. going on there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, I, I think the discussion can be... The discussion is a lot about like, oh no, but our type of startups need more money exactly. or um, we have a fund for uh, female entrepreneurship That's, that needs more money, which I totally agree on. But I think there's, there's a fundamental question behind that, like what is in the first place a priori the, uh, the, the role of the government in terms of, uh, uh, is it just by increasing the amount or yeah. is it directing towards certain markets, sectors or domains? Um, yeah, and I think the... Ministry of Economic Affairs or Finance hasn't hasn't got the final no. answer either yet, no. but I think that's an interesting discussion. Yeah. All right, so Chris, response to uh, what Martin. Uh, Martin always has uh, good questions. Uh, well, one thing, if like, how should we enforce uh, scientists to start uh, companies? I I don't think you should enforce them. I think you should. Um, lure them or um, uh, how do you call it sort of uh, tempt them to uh, to engage in uh, entrepreneurship i think there's a lot being done in the culture around universities around startups uh, and uh, around entrepreneurship so i think there's a good good thing going on there and i think a recent initiative by the uh, the the, the yeah, joint universities uh, i think it's called the, the faculty of impact and uh, where there is sort of a in, uh, an entrepreneurship postdoc positions are being nice. fun yeah. funded now yeah. in which you can sort of start to valorize, valorize or develop your um, yeah. PhD work after your uh, so I think those are good initiatives I don't think we should enforce them because I think there's uh, only a small sort of overlap yeah. between scientists and entrepreneurs I think the the overlap that there is I think uh, there's someone sitting across the table from us we yeah. should really um, um, yeah uh, help and 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 uh, they can flourish, but I think uh, in the you, you, yeah definitely not all the scientists are uh, are entrepreneurs. No. Yeah, definitely. That giving an option. Let's say in, in my case, I was looking for the opportunity to learn more about entrepreneurship, so I was subscribing myself with uh, courses and things like that. But as a PhD, you are also uh, following a graduate school, yeah. so that would be nice to have 
and it's optional. Let's yeah. say you can choose which kind of course you want to follow to, to have something there. Yeah. But also the knowledge institution might highlight more their company that they span out with. Mm. Let's say uh, sometimes university don't have uh, an example. What I found out compared to the US is that no matter what you do, they, they, they are able to multiply by 10. So I think if they if we start to give more uh, let's say news also on the startup that comes out from yeah. that university, yeah. it will attract more people yeah. to to say yeah. okay they did it I can do it yeah. as Success well. Success stories and role models. And that's yeah. what I yeah. I do yeah. and I do it with maybe uh, an example I'm one of the diversity uh, team yeah. in Tudelt so I keep yeah. on going to the to the open days. Yeah. And uh, I try to attract them to show them, okay, uh, I was studying and I studied a lot in my life, but then I went to another path. It's also to yeah. encourage yeah. new generation to dream about it. And Or an example, like in uh, university courses, I'm uh, giving a lecture next week on how we span out, like from when the idea, we got the idea to how we end up here. Yeah. And I think you need also in those kind of conversation a lot of honesty. Because you don't mm. have to sell the dream, because it's not a dream. It's, it's a, hard a work. roller coaster, yeah. and and probably yeah, it's not for everybody, and uh, that's that's nice. Uh, the, that's the beauty of it. Otherwise, everybody was doing their own thing. Mm. Uh, but definitely, it's like having an open conversation on it, and also the knowledge institution might be less shy of uh, showing uh, good and bad cases because yep. you can always fail, and yeah. I think from failure you learn way more than. Uh, then maybe it has been just a serendipity in yeah. once. Mm. Uh, this is something that we should no. do. No. And I really like also, I think that you're, you're boasting is that um, a lot of people don't pursue an academic career, right? So I think, I don't know about the percentages, but I think uh, the yeah. more than half, of course, is going away. And I think that it's the role of our universities to support them in also the, the same as we do for our students, yeah. right? Support them in taking the next step in their lives and choosing mm -hmm. what they do. It's yeah, the same show for, the diversity uh, of paths exactly. that you can, can yeah. uh, pursue after that. Nice. And the second question, it's really difficult of uh, the, yeah. the second question of Mar Maarten in the, how to keep uh, high-tech uh, scale-ups in the Netherlands. Immense. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, you can't sort of guarantee that, but maybe, and it's just a thought, I've, I've no expert in that field, but uh, maybe if you have some governmental uh, VC funds and, and you, uh, uh, these, these um, uh, yeah, through the ownership, the partial ownership um, uh, from, from governmental hold uh, investor funds, investment funds, um, maybe there's there's a way of of, of keeping sort of um, scale ups in the Netherlands through that route, but otherwise I wouldn't know how to uh, how to do isn't, so. Isn't it a question? I think for you, but isn't it just to create the market conditions so that you remain here as? Sure. Company, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can't. Yeah. No. That that's true. Like if you have the best possible. Um, yeah environment yeah, for a company it's fine to, get, to get funding but it's the same most of was here and they explained like yeah listen uh, we didn't get an investment from investnl uh -huh. uh, because they found it too difficult and then we get to another uh, i think some Dan uh, danish and a swiss company yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. and they got a lot of money in but yeah. they stay remained here in netherlands oh, okay. which is fine no yeah. but i mean like no, because they still say at, the, at this current stage netherlands is the best way to go yeah. maybe we go to the us one time because yeah, that's better for uh, what they are doing, but but this is true because a knowledge intensive startup, an example, start from a lab, and yep. an example that lab that we are using right now, we yeah. cannot really have it by our own, and it would be also why not? 
No, some million. Yeah, what? How much is it? I think it's just for mm-hmm. maintaining that lab. I think it's around ten million. So it's something that definitely we get inside I mean, the lab, and yeah, we get in that lab, and we are able to. Well, of course, we pay, but we yeah. we are able to, to to do our stuff. And if I'm thinking that, why should I uh, move if I know that I can rely on uh, that facility for this? The the other uh, company that maybe is uh, bigger than 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 ours, but it can provide me that kind of material. So mm. I think it's a, a lot of uh, you need. A, first of all, a lot of collaboration among, among yeah. companies. Uh, you always are attracting people to, let's say, you, you need a pool of talent. And I think an example, if you're closer to that, anyway, yeah. in the Netherlands, there are a lot of this kind of talent. Yeah. So uh, why moving an example in the US, in which we have way more competition for those talents? Yeah. Mm. Uh, on the other side, you need capital. That's the, the only way in which I think a, a company could go away. Uh, first of all, okay, there is market, but uh, let's say usually half of your market is always yeah. in US, yeah. so you have to move there. But that doesn't mean that uh, that you cannot produce here and then yeah. uh, and do maybe more commercial on the other side. Uh, but definitely, like mm. the, you need also to be still, the Netherlands needs to be relevant for for the company yeah. to say, okay, this is the place. So maybe the conclusion is build the best entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. And yeah. Then they will or, stay. or maybe even market, I would say, because in the end you also need right the place to 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 sell it, or at least yeah. right to have the company and everybody online yeah. to. Uh, yeah, but nowadays it's let's say Netherlands is a, a really geographical yeah, it's position a good place, yeah. because you yeah. can reach UK whenever True. you want. You, you you are super close yeah. to France and Germany, and yeah. a, anyway, let's say it's way easier. You are you are in yeah. a good geographical position, so. Mm-hmm. On that side, having the headquarters here in yeah. Europe is not definitely yeah. a problem. The only thing that can, I, I think, push me is that if an investor say I will invest, I don't know, 50 million on you, but you have to come there. Yeah. And and that's something that uh, is an yeah. offer that yeah. I will never maybe receive in, in Europe. So that's... True. I, and I think that, that is also the right... And, uh, and it's the right reason, but it's a reason to make the uh, to, to make the impact larger in, in what yeah. you want to achieve. Now, that's the last part. But, uh, what, uh, yeah, we had a talk with an um, with a quantum startup in Delft, mm-hmm. and um, they were also looking for funding. And then I asked, like, listen, um, what would you need to grow? Yeah, yeah, we need the lab, right? More time in the lab. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. So why don't you have more time? Yeah, we share the lab. I said, okay, but how much is that lab costing? And then they said something like, yeah, one million. I said, okay, but if you would invest or an investor would invest one million, mm-hmm. and you have your own lab which you can use a hundred percent of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that would benefit the business case. Yeah. Th- they couldn't make that that calculation because in the end there were some other things. But just the, mm. I would just mean to uh, the idea that you're saying that it costs ten million. Yeah. Okay. So what? If ten million is something that your company makes, you will mm. you will become one hundred million, ten billion worth, or one billion worth. It's right. Then because yeah. behind the lab there is that is just the annual cost. Then there is the investment. Let's say. No, I understand, but yeah. I mean like this may be too a little bit too no, much. But you know what I mean? Mean like the yeah, yeah, no, no. I completely get yeah. it. It's just that sometimes you rely on uh, also the the not. Let's say when when you also change a machine. Mm-hmm. You have to develop the, the whole know-how again. Yeah. It, you might be lucky that everything comes out as it was before, but that's mm. not always the no. truth. So that's the that's also one of the things of hooking up companies here. If yeah. you are really attached to the la- laboratory, because <laughs> that's the that's the only and the safest way to get the, your things done. Yeah. 
uh, before scaling up yeah. because it's an investment that you cannot afford. Mm -hmm. So an example, like using that leverage, let's say, brings you to stay in that yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physical oh, infrastructure, wrong reason, but still. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it depends, like, because an example, like we are a uh, microelectronic facility. So basically every machinery that we use is two, three million yeah. and is there. And there's been an investment done by Tudelft and is not, of course, used just by us. But, but basically, something that any startup alone can afford. Or another way maybe to have bigger lab and facility that are only meant for startups. Exactly, that's right. And that's what they do in, Del in uh, Delft, right, with the, with the DSM uh, campus. They, they created specifically for companies only to, oh, yeah. to, to develop. The, and the problem is that there are so many technologies out there yeah. that, uh, let's say, can and be a biological facility, yeah, yeah. but then you will need uh, a, a bigger... Like, so yeah. it would be nice to create these big pools, like we have the accelerator uh, buildings, yeah. in which there are only uh, startups and yeah. uh, all the machines that you might dream about, mm. uh, but that's a lot of okay. <laughs> investment. Okay, guys. Yeah, I think we talked over more than an hour. Yeah, really interesting. Thank you so much for uh, for your time and your knowledge. And I think that we have some. Uh, there's hope, right? I, uh, Definitely. I, I think things are uh, going in the right way. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I hope that you will uh, get some funding. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right.